a new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. The Holy Quran states, Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. An-Nur is that being through whose light a physically blind person sees and a person who has gone astray finds guidance. It is that being who is apparent and through whom all things are manifested. His being is apparent in himself and makes things evident for others as well. The true light is God, which can be perceived in everything by those with insight. However, one who is devoid of spiritual sight cannot see it. A believer is firm on the belief that the universe that can be observed, as well as the universe that cannot be observed, is created by God. In order to give an understanding of this light, God sends His chosen people who spread the nur, which comes down from the heavens throughout the world. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, writes, that light of high degree that was bestowed on perfect man was not in angels, was not in the stars, was not in the moon, was not in the sun, was not in the oceans or the rivers, was not in rubies or emeralds, or sapphires or pearls. In short, it was not in any earthly or heavenly object. It was only in perfect man, whose highest and loftiest and most perfect example was our Lord and Master, the chief of the prophets, the chief of all living ones, Muhammad, the chosen one. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, set the most excellent example and the highest standard of nur, which was established as a reflection of the light of God and which will continue till the day of judgment. The nur he received was conveyed to his companions and established excellent morals amongst them, so much so that he likened them to the stars. After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, the reflection of God's light was the promised Messiah on whom be peace. This was due to complete subordination of his master. Not only did God fill the promised Messiah on whom be peace with nur that was sent down more than 1,400 years ago, he also granted him the station 
to spread this noor. The promised Messiah on whom be peace wrote that no one knew him and God compelled him out of his solitude and told him that he would bestow upon him honor and make him renowned all over the world. It is a way of God that when he adorns someone with nur, he manifests it to the world. After all, when the worldly light has a capacity to spread, how can the light of God stay hidden? You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome to another edition, another episode of the Breakfast Show here on the Voice. Of Islam Radio today is Wednesday, the 11th of January 2023, uh, with some, uh, as always, some very, very interesting topics that we're going to be speaking about today on uh, this morning's breakfast show. Um, if you're familiar with the breakfast show, the setup of the breakfast show, uh, I'm sure that you would be anyway. But, uh, you know, just a little reminder for maybe those people who don't know. Firstly, on the breakfast show, we talk about we talk about what's happening in the news what's happening, what's current, what's, uh, you know, what's, what's sort of popping <laughs> and uh, relevant relevant stories, uh, topical topical um, incidents and, uh, you know, topics that we're going to be covering as well as we normally do in the beginning part of, uh, of the show. Of course, we'll talk about the weather uh, uh, as well. And after that, we will go into we will go into our main topics, our main segments. Uh, and uh, today we have two main segments. Firstly, we're going to be speaking about community chair. And what in that, we will sort of discuss the work of uh, litter-picking ladies of uh, of Ealing and how uh, care home residents were actually surprised and showed their, showed their love, showed their, um, their positive emotions as well. So it's, uh, it, I mean, it's from, uh, it's, it, it, I mean, it comes from the backdrop of, you know the 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 community. The, how much we can give back to the community, and how much uh, how much people actually appreciate when people give back to give back to the community as well in a positive manner. I mean, we can. There's so many different ways in which we can actually give back to the community, give back to the people, give back to you know the the wider public. Um, but uh, you know, it's important. It's important um, to actually get uh, get this message across that what Islam says, as this is the voice of Islam as well, what are the teachings of Islam and what does Islam say in regards to giving back to the community uh, as well at large? I mean, that's something that we're going to be speaking about in the first part of the show after, of course, the news, uh, the roundup of the news. And towards the latter part of the show, we'll be speaking about um, uh, about 2022 and reflecting on the positives of uh, you know of uh, 2022 as well. In that segment, we will discuss changes in uh, in energy, significant medical advances, animal comebacks, four day week trials. You may have heard 
about that as well. And a night train, a night train revival, amongst other, uh, you know, very very exciting things uh, as well. So jam pack show. We're going to be speaking about a lot of uh, different things. If you want to contribute to the show, you can always contribute to the show uh, on. Uh, you know, you can call on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. You can also uh, get back to us or get uh, get in touch with us. Um, uh, via Twitter at Voice of Islam UK. Our Instagram handle is also the same at Voice of Islam UK. So it will be very, you know, it, it would be very interesting and it would be quite nice um, to, you know, to, to hear your to hear your feedback uh, uh, as well in regards to that. Also, talking about uh, talking about the news, what's happening around the world. Firstly, talking about a little bit about the about the weather in sort of uh, late late December uh, the weather was absolutely it was freezing absolutely freezing minus 2 3 4 5 even 6 and 7 minus 6 7 in some areas as well uh, specifically talking about here in London and um, you know you wake up in the morning absolutely frosted everything is frosted I mean the rain sorry it snowed as well Um Quite, uh, you know, quite heavily as well. Not very heavily, but but quite heavily enough to make a little bit enough to make an impact, enough to make a difference. And the thing is, is that in some places, uh, the snow actually stayed there for quite a bit because because of the because of the drop in temperature. And it was so cold that, as I mentioned, the snow, you know, where it snowed in some places, if no one touched it at all. Uh, sort of, you know, such as you know the fence. I mean, from my window, uh, from my uh, from my kitchen window, um, you know, on, on the garden sort of on the garden wall, because no one touches that, no one even goes there. Um, the snow actually stayed there for about a week or so because the temperature was so the temperature was so low that it didn't even uh, you know it didn't even melt. Uh, but now the temperature early January, sort of coming towards the mid January as well. I mean, it's the eleventh of January right now today. And uh, the weather, uh, I mean, the temperature has actually uh, gone up from minus uh, five, six, seven to actually eight, nine, and ten. Uh, but also, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of rain, um, a lot of rain, uh, uh, you know, downpouring uh, uh, as well. So it's, uh, I mean, you can, I mean, it is safe to say that we are definitely in the heart of autumn. And uh, a lot of people have been under the weather as well. And a lot of people are actually saying, medical experts are also saying that people who are getting ill, they are getting ill for much longer. Um, you know, maybe it's the maybe it's the new strem, uh, the strem A diseases. Uh, maybe people are catching flu, and this flu. I mean, a lot of people. I, I know myself personally that a lot of people um, who have been getting ill, they have been. You know, they, they have they've been having sore throats. Uh, a cough and quite a bad cough as well um also you know not feeling you know not not feeling that well feeling quite upset feeling under the weather literally as well um it's also uh you know people who are getting ill um they're not they're not recovering as quick as they would usually as well and i think maybe i don't know may, i'm not an expert in you know in, in the medical field as well but I think maybe one of the reasons could be that during the uh, you know during the pandemic or before the pandemic we you know we were used to 
going out in the supermarkets, going out here and there, um, you know, touching different things. I mean, not just touching different things, so, you know, touching the wall and everything. But what I'm talking about is, you know, going to a supermarket, touching whatever you need to get, all of these different things, you know, carrying on with our day-to-day routines and not really sanitizing our hands as such. Um, but obviously, you know, washing your hands was essential as well. It was even essential before. And uh, during the pandemic, the pandemic came, COVID, COVID-19 came, lockdowns came, all of this. And then we were sort of very scared, very scared to uh, to uh, to touch, um, you know, to touch anything. If we touched anything, literally, we would sanitize our hands uh, straight away. And, uh, you know, because of that whole year of different lockdowns, and um, you know restrictions all of these different things were in place as well we sort of sort of our immunity got got much less and once we came out of lockdowns once everything sort of came back to came back to normal that is essentially when uh, you know uh, when our, when our immune systems as I just mentioned that because it was so low because we weren't used to getting contact with those germs uh, on a regular basis when we were getting in contact with those germs as well, that's when we got ill. And that's when we were getting ill. And that's when all of these, uh, you know, all of these different factors came into play as well, such as getting ill for much longer, not recovering as soon as or as quick as we used to, feeling under the weather, feeling a little bit upset, uh, feeling uh, feeling a bit low as well. So these are different things which actually, uh, which actually took place as well. As I mentioned before, I'm not a medical expert, but this is something... That uh, we uh, that we were experiencing uh, as well. Now, um, as I was talking about the weather, um, you know, I'm just looking at the forecast for the next uh, for the next couple of uh, for the next couple of days, and literally, I'm not, I mean, obviously, it's a forecast, so you don't really know if it's going to happen or not. But it's raining literally every single day, uh, sometimes a little bit more than uh, than usual. And it can it can get quite icy as well on the on the weekend and the early next week uh, as well. Icy in terms of it may or may not snow as well because the because the temperature is going to drop drastically. I mean it's as I mentioned at the moment it is uh, eight degrees, nine degrees, ten degrees, and uh, it will stay like that until uh, until Friday, Saturday. But then on Sunday, Monday, and as I mentioned early next week. It is going to drop to to sort of three degrees, one degrees, and uh, zero degrees as well. So it's uh, it is you know I mean you 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 need to you need to look after you need to look after yourself in terms of that as well. Be prepared for the for the weather conditions and the change in weather conditions as well. And also, this sudden changes in the weather can actually uh, I mean it is one of the things which actually gets you more ill than uh, than usual talking about how a lot of people have been affected by um by all of this is because the the the, the support the support that they're getting might not be might not be as much and that's because about 25,000 ambulance workers across England and Wales will strike today in a dispute with the government over pay amid fears some patients will be forced to make their own way to hospital and that's uh, and that is sort of it puts us into a difficult position. It puts us all um, into a very very difficult position because if twenty five thousand ambulance ambulance workers are not are not there, if they're not readily available, 
then a lot of people actually rely a lot of people rely rely on on these nurses rely on these um uh, on these ambulances as well to get into you know to to get into uh healthcare at uh, you know at a, at a quick rate but if they can't do that you know sometimes they sometimes they don't have cars they they could they they're not you know to commute to the to to the hospital could actually be a difficult uh, thing for them it could actually put them in a very difficult position and this is something which uh, you know if you look across the pond if you look across the atlantic in america this is uh, this is already in place but not because not because those ambulance workers are going on strike because those people have to pay have to pay for the ambulance as well that's something that we take for granted over here uh, here in the uk i mean the nhs is doing a good job in terms of this but the thing is is that they are only going on strike because they they um you know they they they're being forced to they're being forced to in a sense that they're working such long hours they are working for such long hours and also they're not getting their their money's worth in terms of because they they're not even just they're not just working long hours they're working extra hours they're working overtime and they're not getting paid uh, enough for that as well because we also know that the energy crisis have uh, have gone up the cost of living has gone up but the the wages have sort of stayed the same they're talking about maybe oh maybe they might do a 10% increase um in uh, you know in in their pay but let's be realistic i don't think that's uh, i mean we sp- I spoke to an expert yesterday as well in terms of this on the on the drive time show and uh, even they said that ten uh, percent is, uh, you know, very very unlikely. Maybe, sort of, uh, sort of seven percent or eight percent is more likely uh, for that to happen if it happens anyway. But that's the thing; they are only going on strike because, because they want the government to look at them. They want the government to actually, uh, you know, look at their conditions and think for themselves that you know, look at these guys. They're working long hours. They're working extra shifts. They were They're covering up for each other, but still, they're not getting paid enough. So that's something that the. I mean, that's that's something that the government needs to needs to look into as well. And it's not just it's not just um, it's not just ambulance workers, um, which are you know which are going on strike. It's across the spectrum, across the across the public sec- across the public sector as well. You know, people uh, working on the rail, the you know the train. Uh, you know the train drivers, the 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 you know you know bus drivers, um, the Royal Mail as well. They they were going on strike as well. I mean, if you look at the the calendar for for January, nearly every other day or every third or fourth day, there's someone else who is going on strike. Nurses are going on strike. Even teachers are going on strike as well uh, for two days, uh, I believe as well. I was looking at the I was looking at the calendar as well the other day. And literally, as I just mentioned, that every second, third, fourth day, there's someone else who's going on strike, and that's because they're being forced to. And that's something, as I mentioned, is something that um, is something that the government uh, needs to definitely look into, uh, play as well. I mean, it's it's not a nice. It puts us into a very, very difficult, uh, very, very difficult uh, position as well. Something that none of us want to actually um, uh, go towards. Uh, go towards that as well. Something else which is um, very much in the news quite recently as well is that um, Harry, Harry, Prince Harry says the dangerous lie told about his book and claims Taliban remarks were taken out of context. So the Duke of Sussex uh, spoke to host uh, Stephen Colbert 
on The Late Show in the US about the new book Spare, where he describes watching the reactions followed its uh, publication as hurtful and also challenging. Um, the controversial book, which uh, which actually was uh, was released, I and mean, this is something which the which the Sky which Sky News has actually reported as well. And that book, which was uh, uh, which was released on Tuesday, sparked an uproar um, after it was uh, revealed the Duke of Sussex had uh, engaged in the taking of human lives. So my number is twenty-five, and it uh, and it's not and it's not a number that fills me with satisfaction. But nor does it embarrass me, he wrote. Um, I mean, a lot of people do this anyway. They t- they take things, they cherry pick things, put it out of context, and uh, they use that for their agenda. I mean, let's face it. Even during the World Cup, there were a lot of. Uh, I mean, it seems like a seems like a long time ago. But even though it was just last month, people, the, you know, the newspapers, even they themselves. Um, they have also said, or journalists um, and colonists, they also said that the newspapers that they that they were working for for the World Cup, they were only looking for bad news. They were only looking for bad things. They weren't looking for good news, despite the fact that there were so many good things uh, about the World Cup which happened in Qatar. Some people were even saying that this was the best World Cup ever that they've uh, that they've experienced. That they've actually gone to the hospitality. Uh, you know the way that the the way that the the locals treated them, the way that you know it was such a good atmosphere uh, as well. And people, you know, as I mentioned, people were saying that this was one of the best World Cups that they've ever actually experienced and actually been to. But the newspapers, they only wanted the bad stories. They only wanted those stories which was actually sell. Now, this is something which uh, you know newspapers, especially tabloid newspapers, and a lot of people actually, it's sad to say, but people, a lot of people read tabloid newspapers as well. Um, I'm not going to name the names, but you obviously you know who they are anyway. But uh, you know that's what sells. Bad publicity or bad news is definitely what sells as well. Just a quick look on what the uh, the news, um, the front uh, front pages on the newspapers as well. Daily Express reports that Rishi Sunak has been uh, implored to do a deal by the Royal College of Nursing to prevent a planning two-day nurse strike potentially paralyzing the NHS. I mean, look, if nurses, you know, if nurses are going on strike, then uh, what the, you know, what's going to happen? What about all the patients that rely on nurses? I mean, one of the things which can actually be a factor in terms of this could be because of the, you know, because of Brexit. Because of Brexit, because of the COVID-19, all of these things have had an impact on, uh, you know, on the shortage of staff in the NHS and, of course, across the across the public sector. But still, but still, look, if the nurses are going on strike for one day, for two days, for if teachers are going on strike for two days, even one day, how is that going to affect uh, the children? The thing is, is that I, I don't like strikes, me personally, but sometimes I feel as if they're being forced to do it. And that's why, that's why it's uh, you know it's important for the for the authority for the government to actually look about you know look into this. Why are they going on strike? A couple of years ago, you know, ten twenty years ago, I I don't think I've ever heard of uh, you know the, the nurses going on strike, um, you know during you know during the whole year, or even teachers going on strike, even when the even when the uh, the uh, the train drivers. You, used to, you know, the rail, the national rail used to go on strike uh, or other, you know, uh, underground 
um, drivers or train drivers, whatever, whenever they used to go and strike, it was sort of, uh, it was out of the blue and you wouldn't actually expect that as well. But these days, every month they're going on strike once, twice, three times and it puts us all into a difficult position as well. So this is something which the government definitely, definitely, you know, needs to needs to look into as well. Daily Mail leads on the Labour uh, Labour Party's opposition to the government's plans to introduce legislation to curb industrial action as well. Uh, I mean, that's also a very, very controversial controversial topic as well. Is the government even allowed uh, to do that? Can they even say? Can they even say that no, you're not allowed to go on strike? Um, the Daily Mirror splashes on the splashes on the news that uh, former MP Boris Johnson is currently living rent-free in a twenty million pound London home of a Conservative Party donor's wife. How 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 great how great. Uh, is you know does that sound? The Sun reports that uh, counter terror police and the security services are investigating how a shipment of uranium came to arrive undeclared at Heathrow Airport, as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things which are in the news as well. Um, you know, as I mentioned, there are a couple of uh, you know there's a lot that's happening these days as well, and someone. I'm not sure who it was, but someone tweeted, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago that I think we need some some boring years now. We need a few boring years to actually calm everything down. It seems as if there's so much happening uh, around the world um, at the same time. It, it sort of is, you know, it's and, and drastic things as well, not just small things, but very very big things are also happening as well um, across the world. If you look at if you look at um, you know, Eastern Eastern countries, so, such as, you know, I'm talking about Eastern Asian countries. There's a lot of tensions which are going on uh, uh, going on over there as well. And, uh, you know, even in Brazil, if you look at South America, Brazil, the new uh, president which was elected uh, over there as well, that also caused, uh, caused an uproar uh, as well for the Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro um, uh, you know, people who were in favor of him. And the parliament over there was going through, you know, a little bit of uh, of, a, of a chaos situation as well. So if you look at around the world, there are a lot of different things which are happening, and uh, you know this is why this is why we need to actually come and think about those things which are very very much important, the basic things, uh, as that's something that we're going to be speaking about during you know during the course of the show. So we're going to be taking a short break, and right after that we'll get into. Our our first uh, first topic, which is about uh, as I mentioned, which is about uh, community chair, and uh, you know that's going to be quite interesting. If you want to contribute to the show, zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. We're going to be taking a short break. We'll be back after a a a, a, a jiffy. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. The Holy Quran states Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. An Nur is that being through whose light 
a physically blind person sees and a person who has gone astray finds guidance. It is that being who is apparent and through whom all things are manifested. His being is apparent in himself and makes things evident for others as well. The true light is God, which can be perceived in everything by those with insight. However, one who is devoid of spiritual sight cannot see it. A believer is firm on the belief that the universe that can be observed, as well as the universe that cannot be observed, is created by God. In order to give an understanding of this light, God sends His chosen people who spread the nur, which comes down from the heavens throughout the world. The promised Messiah, on whom be peace, writes, that light of high degree that was bestowed on perfect man was not in angels, was not in the stars, was not in the moon, was not in the sun, was not in the oceans or the rivers, was not in rubies or emeralds, or sapphires or pearls. In short, it was not in any earthly or heavenly object. It was only in perfect man, whose highest and loftiest and most perfect example was our Lord and Master, the chief of the prophets, the chief of all living ones, Muhammad, the chosen one. Peace and blessings of Allah be on him. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, set the most excellent example and the highest standard of nur, which was established as a reflection of the light of God and which will continue till the day of judgment. The nur he received was conveyed to his companions and established excellent morals amongst them, so much so that he likened them to the stars. After the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, the reflection of God's light was the promised Messiah on whom be peace. This was due to complete subordination of his master. Not only did God fill the promised Messiah on whom be peace with nur that was sent down more than 1,400 years ago. He also granted him the station to spread this nur. The promised Messiah on whom be peace wrote that no one knew him and God compelled him out of his solitude and told him, that he would bestow upon him honor and make him renowned all over the world. It is a way of God that when he adorns someone with nur, 
he manifests it to the world. After all, when the worldly light has a capacity to spread, how can the light of God stay hidden? Assalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. As I mentioned before the break, um, we're going to be talking about some uh, some interesting uh, some interesting topics. And uh, in this segment, as I mentioned before as well, that we're going to be speaking about uh, the work of litter-picking ladies of Ealing and how Haircon residents were actually surprised and showed uh, showed their showed their support and showed their love uh, as well. Um, litter-picking women, as I just mentioned, who who are actually pensioners from West London, have gained a lot of praise from the community after collecting more than two thousand bags of uh, of rubbish. And they, they they're passionate about the community and also enjoy helping out as well. I mean that's what makes uh, that's what makes a difference as well. If you want to help out in the community, it's it just makes it much much more easier if you're actually enjoying that. If you're enjoying that as well. Um, also, they've uh, they've spent a year cleaning streets and parks, <laughs> planting flowers, and also picking up uh, picking up litter. I mean, as a, you know, picking up two thousand bags of rubbish. That's you know that's not. That's not something that we should be taken lightly. That's quite uh, that's quite a lot, and they they like connecting with people and have made many friendships as well. And I'm sure that they would have uh, as well. In an interview with the BBC, Gail said that uh, it motivated her to get out of bed, and the the women said that uh, it gives uh, it gives them a purpose, and they feel as if they're doing something for the for the community. That litter would be all over the floor if it were for us. Last year. Uh, Noel and Gail were part of a team that collected 248,000 bags of, ruff- uh, of rubbish over 36,000 hours as well. So that's some um, that's some very very commendable, very you know it's very good work that the that these guys are doing. You know, pat on the back uh, for for them, and also um, this is something which actually comes very very much in line. With the with the teachings with the teachings of Islam as well, the you know the 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 promised Messiah upon whom we peace, the founder of the the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has said that you know there's two if you want to break down religion into two different uh, you know into two uh, different categories, one is to fulfill the rights of God, you know that's you know that's understood you know, f- you know worshiping Him, listening to Him, obeying Him. Uh, obeying to uh, being his commandments and also fulfilling the rights of mankind that's the second part of religion and both of these things go very much hand in hand as well um the promised messiah upon whom be peace has said that treat all the creation of god with such deep love as though they are your close family members treat mankind in the same way that a mother treats her child in other words we should treat others with love and kindness and we, and uh, as we do with our own family members as well, we should not do this to benefit ourselves, but to serve humanity as God has uh, has actually taught us. And um, we've got our first guest who is on the line with us, George uh, Monk from Clean Up UK. Uh, peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Imam Sajil. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for actually joining us here on the Breakfast Show this morning. It was always a pleasure to have you on as well. And um, firstly, firstly, are, are you able to give us a bit more information about your organisation and sort of 
what yes, uh, we sort of do. Uh, of course, of course. Um, uh, Clean Up UK is a charity I started uh, uh, more than 15 years ago. And what we do is we help people to uh, clean up the litter from the area where they live. And this has two um, results, really. One is, of course, it makes uh, people's communities and neighborhoods nice places to live in. But uh, really, just as important, it helps to bring the community together, to give everyone some, some pride in where they live, and also to make friends and um, make people feel it's a stronger and safer community. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, you, you're passionate about helping people to strengthen their communities by, by, by you know, by getting together to pick up litter uh, as well. And since you know, Clean Up UK is sort of focusing on helping people living in in deprived areas. What, why yeah. do you think it's important to be part of an organisation like this? Because <clears throat> I think I, we are all beginning to realise um, mm. over time that litter is a very destructive uh, facility. It's a, it's a destructive feature, I should say. Mm. And um, it actually brings down the whole tone of a, an area. It makes people feel depressed. We actually hear of cases where older people are afraid to go outside because their area is so full of litter. And I think finally, <clears throat> it has been uh, suggested, perhaps not totally proved scientifically, that the presence of litter encourages the incidence of crime. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting, that's interesting. Uh, George, you mentioned um, a little bit about your about your organisation as well. What's your what's your role, and uh, you know your your personal motivation be you know behind being part of this organisation as well? Yeah, that's a very good question, Imam. Um, my <clears throat> I'm the chief executive of the organisation, mm, so right. I I always think I'm the uh, the sort of middleman between mm. my wonderful team and my uh, brilliant uh, board of trustees who help us uh, run the organization. And <clears throat> so um, we all sort of help each other go in the right direction and do the right things. But mm. my own motivation, Imam, is that um, I, I want, you know, later in my life, I wanted to put something back and do, do something fulfilling. Mm. And for the last 15 years, I can honestly say this has been the most uh, fulfilling part of my career, without any uh, question at all. I mean, also, you know, it's always you know giving back to giving back to the community as well. So, I'm exactly. sure that it would be fulfilling as well. Um, yeah. In what in what ways do you think that this organisation actually comes out, gives back to the community, actually benefits the community as well? I mean, you, you, I, mean I know that you're determined. Um, to show that you know the presence of litter is much more negative and destructive than most people can actually imagine, and to actually take yeah. away that is very, yeah. very much important. So, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I think one of the key things we've come to realise is that people who live in badly littered areas often just get overwhelmed mm. by the, the the litter that's there and. They just almost accept and become resigned to the fact that the neighborhood doesn't look good and is, is badly littered. 
And sometimes it, um, the situation benefits from someone coming and saying, look, guys, we can change this together. Hmm. And if we work together, we can make a real difference, not only to your community, but to how you feel about it and, and your position in it, because, you know, we'll help you make new friends, hmm. we'll help you make the community uh, safer, we'll, we'll make it look more beautiful, all sorts of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, just coming, uh, you know, leading on from that uh, as well, as, you know, if we pick up litter, then, you know, the, the, the whole your whole neighbourhood, and especially, you know, the whole town and the whole city will actually become more beautiful as well. What advice would you give for, you know, for those that, you know, would like to get involved um, and they sort of maybe don't know how to get involved? Well, you know, how can they, how, how can they get in touch? Yes, of course. Well, I would, of course, say that um, anybody who would like to um, improve their community and get rid of the litter is very hmm. welcome to look at the Clean Up UK website, cleanupuk, or one word, .org.uk. But um, often the local council hmm. uh, will be running initiatives to uh, help uh, residents, you know, clean up their litter. Yeah. But I, I think the main thing is get together, talk to your neighbours mm. about it and see if anyone else feels like you do and would like to help because it's about people. This It's not really about litter, it's about people. and It's about people coming together to do good stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, it, it is about people. Do you think that it's more of a, it's more of a mindset thing? Sort of, I mean, of course, it, I mean, it is about litter, picking up the litter, but do you think it's more of a mindset thing that coming together and sharing good ideas with one another? Well, um, absolutely. And, and I, I love the way you say it's a mindset thing <laughs> because, um, as an example, um, friends of mine um, were very angry with me when mm. I set up the charity, right. but for a good reason. And they said, George, before you founded... Um, clean up UK. I wasn't even aware of all the litter around. I I didn't see it. Hmm. And now mm-hmm. that you've made me aware of it, uh, I can see it everywhere. And so that's if if you can call that a mindset. Yeah. It, it's actually being able to see that it's there. You know, so many things in life we're blind to hmm. because we don't stop and actually take the time to look at what's happening. Yeah. So that's an important thing about the mindset, I think. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we see something which, we, we you know, we're so used to seeing now that it just becomes part and parcel of our of our life yes. as well. We don't we, we so just right. take that for granted. You're so right. Um, George, thank you so much uh, for for joining us this uh, this morning. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, and good uh, good luck with your you know with your initiatives uh, as well, cleaning up uh, you know very commendable work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much once thank again. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a real pleasure for me too, Imam. It's thank been a, a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Likewise. All the best. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. So that was uh, that was George Monk from uh, from Clean Up UK and some uh, you know very very good work that these guys are actually uh, doing as well uh, picking up uh, picking up litter picking up uh, rubbish uh, from uh, from the floors keeping um, you know keeping the neighbourhood the towns the cities essentially and of course um, the whole country the whole country clean uh, as well. As I mentioned, this is actually one of the teachings uh, of Islam as well as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He has uh, he has taught that Allah the Almighty 
was most pleased by those people who helped the poor, who filled their empty stomachs and who arranged medical treatment for them. And here the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, describes how much God Almighty is actually pleased with those who support the most vulnerable members of society as well. In one other place, a very famous saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that cleanliness, cleanliness is actually a part of faith. And in another narration he has said that cleanliness is uh, is half of faith. So, you know, when we, us as, uh, you know, as talking about from the voice of Islam as, as, as Muslims, cleanliness is very important. And it should be very important as well. Not just keeping the mosques clean, but keeping our houses clean, keeping ourselves clean, cle- cle- you know, cleaning, um, cleaning our our neighborhoods. Especially, you know, especially when you see, when you actively see that there's, uh, you know, that there's rubbish. You know, there's a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that that if you see, if you're walking along, if you're walking along the pathway, and you see that there's a thorn over there, and which might prick other people then you should pick that up and put that on the side and that is a form of uh, that is a form of charity uh, as well that's a that's a that's a good deed on uh, on your part now there's an excerpt of uh, of a speech de- delivered by the our current imam our current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community the fifth caliph of the promised messiah hazrat mirza masrur ahmad mayalla be his helper at the inauguration of the nasir hospital humanity first guatemala on the the 23rd of October 2018 and I'll just uh, read that short uh, excerpt uh, out for you as well you may well be wondering why we have built this mosque the answer is very simple it has been built with one intention and that is quite simply to serve humanity by provide by providing high quality health care to the poor for this uh, for this nation he continued by saying that we seek no praise or reward for such efforts because we are merely doing what our religion taught us. Our motivation and desire to serve others are, are driven entirely by the teachings of Islam. The guiding light for any true Muslim is the Holy Quran revealed to Islam's founder, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Time and again, the Holy Quran has instructed Muslims to serve, uh, to serve mankind and fulfill the needs of those suffering or deprived. It requires Muslims to be selfless and consumed by a love for others. It, regu- it requires us to be ever ready to make sacrifices for the sake, for the peace and well-being of other people as well. In their uh, and in their wealth was a share for one who asked for for asked for help and for those who could not. This is a verse from the Holy Quran, from chapter 51, verse 20. Here the Holy Quran describes one of the hallmarks of a true Muslim, that they should care for and support those people who are in need, whether they ask for their help or whether they do not ask for their help as well. Therefore, we should provide help to not those who, who ask for it, but others who are unable to ask us, or sometimes people may actually be a bit ashamed or may they may feel a little bit embarrassed to ask for help as well. So the Holy Quran t- tells us to look out for those people as well. Now when it comes to when it comes to cleanliness um, as a whole, this is something which is, as I mentioned, uh, part and parcel of uh, of the beautiful teachings uh, of the beautiful teachings of Islam. And the the Holy Quran also actually tells us to clean our surroundings as well. 
it actually it actually tells us there's a command in the Holy Quran which tells us to clean our to clean our surroundings as well. Now, before, as you may be aware, that you know there's five daily prayers in the um, uh, you know in the, in the teachings of Islam, and that's actually you know salat is called salat. It's one of the five pillars of Islam. As I, as I mentioned, it's uh, you know it's uh, um, you, you know you pray five times a day, and before those prayers, we actually perform a perform ablution. Now, ablution is it consists of various different things, and it's actually, um, you know, cleaning. You know, for example, cleaning, rinsing your mouth, cleaning your nose, washing your face, washing your arms, uh, washing your feet, your neck. Um, you know, all these different parts which actually get exposed and which can actually, you know, gather around a lot of dirt. We clean that five times a day, um, and this also, in in addition to this. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he even said that, you know, if if I if I didn't think that it would be a burden upon the Muslims, I would actually tell the Muslims, I would actually tell the Muslims to brush their teeth uh, five times a day as well before they, you know, you know, during the uh, during uh, when they perform the ablution as well. But he thought that that might be a burden upon everyone. Not everyone might have access to, you know, to you know. Uh, to brushing their teeth as well, they might be outside, they might be, you know, in their workplaces as well. So, um, but you know, definitely, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him wanted a community to be established, which was which was not just peace loving, but also very neat and tidy and clean and tranquil as well. Because let's face it, if you're if you're wearing clean clothes, that would actually put a a positive effect on your on your mental capacity as well, you'll you'll feel you'll feel much more happier, and you'll feel um, better uh, during the day as well. But if you're wearing dirty clothes, if you've got muddy clothes, or if you you know if you're if you if you if your clothes have haven't been washed in such a long time, that can have an effect on your on your mental capacity as well. You might not feel clean. You or you definitely won't be clean, but you won't feel clean as well. You might get ill thoughts, and you might you know think scruffy and all of these things as well. So it's it's something to actually look into as well as the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he has said that, you know, whatever you consume, whatever you eat, that has an effect on you as well. If you, you know, if you love meat and you just eat meat and you don't eat any vegetables, you actually might become a, a, an, a you might even become an arrogant person or a person who actually might, uh, you know, might get angry very quickly if you just love eating meat. But, you know, it's it's even you know, displayed in animals as well, and those animals or those human beings who just who just consume vegetables and they don't have any sort of meat, they cut meat out, you know, totally. They, you know, they lack this. Uh, they lack uh, this trait of courage. They don't have. They're not as courageous as uh, you know as other people as well. So this is something which is scientifically scientifically proven. Uh, also, we can see this. We can witness this in animals as well, um, uh, and also that's why the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, said that you know there needs to be a balance. Don't just indulge yourself in meat, or don't just indulge yourself in one or the other vegetables completely. There needs to be a balance, and this is you know as I mentioned that if you consume something that has an effect on your on your brain as well, the way you think, the way you act, the way you behave. So the things which are you know if you're if you're wearing nice clothes if your surrounding is uh, you know is neat and tidy if it's clean 
um, you know, your 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 thoughts would also be clean. That would also reflect on your mental capacity in terms of uh, in terms of this as well. Um, there's you know there's you know a little bit more. We'll talk about this uh, after the after the news, as the news is actually looming uh, uh, as well. So as I mentioned, if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to contribute to the show, the the lines are open. You can uh, call us on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or get in touch on our socials at Voice of Islam UK. Join us after the after the news break. His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security. The conditions of initiation, bed, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. The initiate shall solemnly promise, one, that he or she shall abstain from shirk, association of any partner with God, right up to the day of his or her death. Two, that he or she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, debauchery, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief and rebellion, and will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions, however strong they might be. 3. That he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the Tahajjud and invoking the Rood on the Holy Prophet that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for their sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify Him. 4. That under the impulse of any passions, he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue, nor by his or her hands, nor by any other means. 5. 
that he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow and happiness, adversity and prosperity, in felicity and trial, and shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of Allah and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way and shall never turn away from it at the onslaught of any misfortune. On the contrary, he or she shall march forward. 6. That he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit himself or herself to the authority of the Holy Quran and shall make the word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. 7. That he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance and meekness. 8. That he or she shall hold faith, the honor of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honor, children, and all other dear ones. 9. That he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only and shall endeavor to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. 10. That he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of Allah, and remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death, that he or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Welcome back to the breakfast show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. As I mentioned uh, before um, before the break, uh, you know, is- Islam lays uh, very much importance to, to cleanliness as well and actually... actually We'll draw a conclusion to to that uh, to that uh, topic. Um, reflecting on the positives of uh, of 2022, um, in sort of in this segment, we'll discuss uh, changes in energy, significant uh, medical advances, animal comebacks, four day week trials. You may have heard of these uh, different things as well, uh, and uh, that's something that we're going to be speaking about in uh, in this uh, in this segment. Um, as I mentioned before, the lines are open. If you want to contribute to the show, the number to call in, as always, is 0208-687-78778. But before we actually, you know, before we actually do that, there is a brief uh, audio clip uh, that we would like to uh, play for uh, play for you uh, as well. Let's listen to let's listen to that uh, right now. Practically, a lot of the world will be out drinking celebrating and doing whatever they want to do, whatever partying they want to do. But there's another type of trending that's been happening, and that's been happening in the Amdiya Muslim Youth Association. That youth from across the country were waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning to offer the Hajjad, the voluntary prayer in congregation 
at mosques across the UK. It's a beautiful scene where you've got children of young ages and older all getting together to just pray to and remember God. Now, not only were our youth members worshipping God, but then they also went out to litter pick and clean up all the mess that's made on New Year's Eve. So here's some of the uh, litter picking activities that the youth have been doing across the country. We've got Aldershot, Battle for Two, Birmingham West, Croydon, Dundee, Islamabad, Kingston, Leicester, Manchester, Scunthorpe, Tyre region which is in London, Bolton, Blackburn, Liverpool, and many of the um, youth associations around London, Glasgow, Dundee, Middlesex and Sheffield. Again, like last time, I'm sorry if I missed yours out, not deliberate again. Keep sending in your photos and your videos of what you've been up to. Not to forget, our MDA Muslim youth were out in force on New Year's Day to help those who have been afflicted by the flood. So that was uh, you know, a very interesting uh, audio clip uh, as well that we listened to that, um, you know, sort of, uh, as I mentioned, um, draws a conclusion to that first part of the show, but also coming into coming into this part of the show as well, this segment, two things happened this year or last year um, that may that may have changed the energy paradigm forever. The first was Russia's invasion of uh, Ukraine, and the West's uh, uh, subsequent uh, dash to wean off uh, Russian gas while ramping up renewables as well. Putin's war was a historic uh, turning point towards a towards a towards a cleaner future. Um, I mean that's what I mean that's what the International Energy Agency said, uh, which uh, for the first time predicted global demand for fossil fuels would peak in the mid 2030s due to the due to the conflict as well. And we see the 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 effects of that uh, happening as well. Without even without the war. The economic and moral case for fossil fuels looked even weaker in 2022, with Lloyd and HSBC among the banks pledging to stop funding new oil and gas fuels as well. By contrast, investing uh, investment in renewable uh, renewable energy. Now, while the smart money moved towards wind and solar, in a Californian laboratory, scientists gave the world a glimpse of the energy of the energy of the future and US uh, uh, you know uh, all these uh, you know scientists cracked one of the one of nuclear fusion's biggest mystery bringing the bringing the prospect of near limitless low carbon energy a, a a a step closer so that was actually quite interesting how we can actually instead of fossil fuels instead of burning fossil fuels what can we do to actually um, to move towards a more cleaner way of uh, of of getting energy, and uh, it is you know it it is it is interesting, it is exciting as well to see all these new things. How we can actually um, you know how, how we can get energy or extract energy from different things, and then instead of burning fossil fuels, we can use alternative energies to actually you know power the car to actually. Um, you know, switch the light on or use other electronical um, features as well and products also. Something else which was interesting was that the climate crisis uh, crisis came into sharper focus in 2020 with more uh, alarming reports and extreme weather as well. And you, as in the beginning of the show, I mentioned that as well, that 
the towards the end part of uh, towards the end part of uh, the year or the last part of the year the latter part of the year in december the you know it was it was quite cold it was very very cold but if we if we look back into the summer of 2022 that you know it, it was quite it was quite hot as well so according to the united nations the world is the world is on course for 2.5 degrees warming up by uh, uh by by 2100 and this is uh this is higher than the upper safe limit of 2 degrees celsius meaning that more radical action is actually needed now on the on the 23rd of january 2021 the head of the ahmadiyya muslim community the fifth caliph of the promised messiah upon whom be peace hazrat mirza masrur ahmad may allah be his helper held a virtual online meeting with 50 male members of the waqfinor scheme from indonesia the waqfinor scheme is actually a scheme which was set up by the fourth caliph of the ahmadiyya muslim community may allah have mercy on him where parents would actually dedicate their children in the service of uh, Islam Ahmadiyya. Now, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, the fifth caliph upon whom uh, may Allah be his helper, stated that climate change is a problem everywhere, all across the world, especially in third world countries where the where the population is increasing disproportionately. To accommodate the increased population, nations are developing new residential areas, and because of this, forests are being cut. And this deforestation is a major cause of climate change. So you have to be very particular that whenever one tree one tree is cut, two trees should be planted in return. And His Holiness, uh, His Holiness then said that fuel consumption should also should also be reduced. People have become so lazy that if they want to go from one place to the other, uh, and the distance is only a hundred yards or two hundred yards. They use their they use their uh, motorbike or car instead of walking to the place. In this way, pollution is increasing. There is there are so many other factors which are also causing pollution and climate change. So we have to be very careful. Although we cannot say that because of the fear of climate change, climate change we should not have children. Um, you know that's you know that's something which His Holiness actually said as well. So this is uh, a major concern. It's not something that should be that should be taken lightly, uh, in the in the least, and uh, it is also very very much important that we actually uh, look into different different ways in which we can actually curb uh, climate change uh, as uh, as well. Now, um, it's uh, it, it, you know there the, there are signs of progress though. The U.S., the world's second large emitter after China. Um, approved legislation to uh, to turbocharge its um, you know its you know different programs as well a decarbonization program especially analysis suggests that uh, it could slash U.S. emissions by forty four percent by the uh, by twenty thirty um, and the EU also set a target of reducing emissions by fifty five percent this decade uh, as well. Uh, the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah, of Allah be upon him, said that the earth is green and beautiful, and Allah has appointed you his uh, his, stew- his stewards over, his custodians over it, 
and this illustrates the importance of our role uh, regarding the regarding the earth that we reside in as well. And Allah the Almighty has created it for us, but also placed the duty upon us to look after it and maintain its uh, maintain its beauty as well. Now, th- this was uh, you know this was climate change or climate poli- uh, policies and legislations which were actually ramped up ramped up as well. And there were other things which actually uh, were. Um, you know, which actually t- took place in uh, you know in 2022 as well. Lost species actually returned, and others actually bounced back uh, as well. And we'll speak a little bit more uh, uh, about this uh, about this as well. How you know there were different uh, endangered species which would continue to grow in a, at alarming rate as well. So that's something that we're going to be speaking about uh, a little bit a little bit later on as well. But uh, before we actually before we actually do that, let's speak to our guest who is on the line with us, Sir John Curtis, uh, who is a professor of politics at the uni- uh, you know, at a university uh, uh, as well, the senior uh, research fellow at the National Center for Social Research as well. Peace be upon you. Good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for for joining us. And just to begin with, what? Actually, what happened in 2022 in terms of your role, um, the uh, prevalence of woke attitudes in Britain today? Well, what we were interested in was indeed uh, where did the public stand on a set of issues that have become known uh, by some as culture war issues. Uh, And the interest of this lies in the fact that during the last two or three years, these have appeared to have been issues that have sometimes divided our politicians or caused arguments. So, for example, um, when it was suggested during the pandemic that the last night of the proms, limited as it was, would not include Royal Britannia. There were complaints from Conservative politicians. There have also, for example, been debates between Conservative Labour politicians about the practice of taking the knee, particularly by um, footballers before uh, football matches. So we were interested in this because one of the suggestions has, was that actually the reason why uh, conservative politicians were taking the anti-woke stance uh, on some of these issues was because it was something that f- uh, fed into the wider world view of those who had voted to leave the European Union and therefore uh, was a way of perhaps of them enabling them to try to rekindle conservative support amongst that group, uh, given that it had been declining somewhat since the 2019 general election. So that that was the broad backdrop. Mm -hmm. Now, essentially, we discovered two things. Um, One is that if you take some of these potential indicators of woke stroke, anti-woke views, that voters who voted leave back in 2016 are indeed perhaps rather more likely to be especially concerned on some of these issues. Um, uh, So, uh, for example, um, uh, people who are on the uh, leave side uh, of the argument are much more likely to think of themselves as very strongly British. They're more likely to think that uh, uh, you've got to be born in Britain in order to be uh, truly British. Uh, They tend to be uh, less enamoured of the benefits of immigration and some of the arguments about equal opportunities, equal opportunities for, for women, equal opportunities for black and Asian people, mm, yeah. uh, again, leave voters are more inclined to feel that they have gone too far. So to that extent, at least the division was there. 
But then it's worth it asking yourself, well, why are we having these debates? And the second, and I think the second thing that we discovered helps to give an, an explanation for that. And the truth is that on most of these issues, on most of these indicators, actually public opinion has become more liberal or more woke uh, than it uh, once was. So again, to give you a couple of ideas, if we go back to uh, the mid-1990s, 48% uh, of people said, you know, it was very important to have been born in Britain to be regarded as truly British. That figure now is at 17%. Um, so, uh, you know, here very clearly, as it were, we're now more inclusive in our attitudes to what we regard as being British. Mm -hmm. um, attitudes towards immigration. Ten years ago, 42% um, of us thought that um, it was bad for Britain's economy and cultural life. Uh, that figure has now halved. And equally on opportunities, um, uh, back um, uh, uh, 20 years ago, around a third of us felt that equal opportunities for black and Asian people had gone too far. That figure is now down to little more uh, than 20%. Uh, so the truth is there has been a cultural shift on many of these issues. It's a cultural shift that's gone in the direction away from the social conservatism that has tended to be associated or more prevalent amongst those who voted leave. And perhaps this therefore helps to explain why some of those on the more conservative end of the political spectrum have been wanting to dispute some of these arguments because in a sense they have sensed that actually public opinion on many of these issues has actually been moving away from the direction with which they themselves actually feel comfortable. Interesting, very interesting. Um, I want to ask you about uh, about your aims and objectives for 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 this year. Uh, can you tell, enlighten us? Uh, our, our yeah, well, the, all of this work I was been referring to is um, hmm. work from British Social Attitudes. Now, British Social Attitudes is run by the National Centre of Research. It's been done now for forty years. It started in nineteen eighty three. Uh, so this year is its 40th anniversary. Now, we at the end of the day as an organisation do not have a stance on these issues, and that's important to understand. We are a, an educational charity. We are obliged to be impartial. Indeed, we want to be impartial. But what we are trying to do, indeed, is to provide impartial evidence through this survey as to how attitudes in Britain are changing over the long run. Now, because this year is the 40th anniversary, what we will be doing this year is actually going back and asking questions about subjects that were asked back in the 1980s, including in the 19, first 1983 survey. Give you a couple of examples. Um, one of the things that's clearly dramatically changed in the course of the last 40 years is the extent to which women take part in the labour market. Wow. Um, 40 years ago, it was relatively rare for a woman with, ch with a child under five to be engaged in full-time employment. Indeed, if they were engaged in employment at all. Now it's a common practice with the state helping to pay for the childcare. But equally, quite a lot of research out there says that when it comes to the domestic hearth, men don't still necessarily do their share of the housework, even though they may be working no more hours uh, than their partner. Um, so we're going to go back and revisit that and see, well, you know, how have attitudes changed during the course of the last 40 years in the wake of that a very substantial change? 
Another thing that was true of 40 years ago, and perhaps in a sense some shades of it have now returned, is we're having a very substantial argument about nuclear weapons. We had American cruise missiles on British soil. There were a lot of arguments about whether or not this was a good thing or not. Again, we're going to go back mm. and revisit people's attitudes towards nuclear weapons. Mm. So this is, will give us a chance to say, well, how has Britain changed in the last, uh, last 40 years in the wake of, you know, what in some instances have been very substantial uh, social changes. Another example, obviously, is the very dramatic change in the law on same-sex relations um, uh, and in the recognition of same-sex relationships. Um, uh, so we're going to uh, look at all of these uh, social changes and ask, well, to what extent have social attitudes changed during the course of the last 40 years and why? Again, trying to help society to understand itself rather better rather than necessarily trying to argue for, it, for one particular uh, side or other in the arguments that surround these issues. Very interesting. Some, some interesting... Uh, things uh, to be looking uh, to be looking into uh, as well. Looking forward to as well. Sir John Curtis, thank you so much for for joining us this uh, this morning and speaking to us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So as I mentioned, uh, th- there are some interesting things uh, which uh, you know which uh, Sir John Curtis and his team um, of professionals are sort of uh, going to be looking into as well during the course of uh, of this year. Hopefully it brings uh, some positivity back um, to society as well. Uh, Before we actually took him on, uh, I was going to mention uh, that uh, there were some lost species who have actually returned as well and others bounced back. The list of endangered species continue to grow at an alarming rate, but some creatures bounced back from the brink in uh, in 2022 as well, proving that extinction is not uh, inevitable so sometimes they can they can actually come back as well beavers bisons and pelicans were amongst the species identified as having uh, bucked the trend by the wildlife comeback report which was actually published published in september most are the subject of uh, reintroduction programs including the bison roaming england again for the first time in in thousands of years so that's also quite interesting uh, interesting stuff uh, uh, as well. Um, the rights of nature were uh, were strengthened also. In March, wildlife-rich wildlife Panama became the largest country to introduce a right-of-nature law, joining the likes of Ecuador, Mexico, and also, and also New Zealand. Passing such a law is one thing, but uh, enforcing it is another. In Ecuador, some controversial ex, uh, uh, extraction programs have continued in uh, eco- uh, ecologically sensitive, regardless all the laws have, have successfully prevented uh, others from proceeding as well. Um, so it is, quite, uh, it is quite interesting to see, to see this as well. Wildlife uh, also um, as well in, 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 this, uh, in this regard uh, also. And we've got our next guest who is on the line with us, Dan Gregory from uh, Social Enterprise. Um, Peace be upon you. Good morning and welcome to the show, Dan. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for for being with us uh, as well. And to begin with, um, could you outline some of of the work at Social Enterprise UK? 
Yes, of course. Um, so Social Enterprise UK is, is a membership organisation, a, a trade body or uh, an association for social enterprises. Hmm. So we have over 3,000 social enterprise members um, who our job is to support them and look after them. But there's tens of thousands of more social enterprises around the UK and millions, in fact, around the world. Um, and often it's quite confusing to people, what are these social enterprises? Well, all our members hmm. are businesses um, which are set up to make the world a better place in some way. So they're not just about trying to make as much money for the owners. Um, they have a social purpose or an environmental purpose, mm. but they're still businesses. So they're not following a kind of traditional charitable philanthropic model. They are trading in markets. They're selling goods and services. They have customers, just like any other business. It's just that the reason they're doing that is, is in order to try and make the world a better place, and they're putting the profits they make back into that mission. Um, so our job at Social Enterprise UK is is just to support them to do that, to spread the good news, explain what Social Enterprise is, uh, to champion them, and to um, help grow, you know, help grow the movement of Social Enterprise in the UK and around the world. Interesting, interesting as well. Um, talking about, I mean, you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, you know, social enterprises and how they're sort of tackling climate changes. Uh, what what were some of the things that you actually did in uh, you know in last year and, and previously? Uh, which was, you know, sort of, uh, you know, quite good. Yeah, so I, I guess Social Enterprise UK, we just support our members to do that. So I wouldn't want us to try and take credit for it. It's all these, you know, these incredible businesses all over the country around the world that they're, they're making the difference. They're every day uh, trading in markets, but not just trying to make money, trying to make the world a better place. So there's, the credit goes to them and the work that they do is what we're here to, to showcase. But there's many of them that are driven by an environmental purpose. You know, many social enterprises, they're about a social purpose. They're about helping those in need, disadvantaged people, maybe people with nowhere to sleep, people struggling in certain ways. But actually many of them are also driven by a, an environmental purpose. So fighting the climate crisis, doing something to improve the environment, to um, make our world a more sustainable one. So they might be recycling, they might be reducing waste. They might be producing clean energy. Um, we have many community-owned energy uh, projects in the UK, which are social enterprises. So community-owned solar farms, wind farms. They might be recycling wood and making it into products that can sell to customers. They might be recycling computer IT equipment, bikes, furniture, clothes, toys. Um, you know, many different business models, which are in some way kind of alleviating the impacts on the environment but creating products and services which are more sustainable than, you know, some of the stuff that you might see typically in, on supermarket shelves or, or that people buy um, around the world. So, yeah, I, I guess the most high-profile example maybe last year was, was that of Patagonia. It's, it's a really big multinational business. Uh, they make clothes and they sell clothes. They're a huge business around the world. And, and the changes that they made last year were to say, actually, we're going to change our shareholder structure so that, in their words, they said, I think the, uh, their only shareholder is the planet, um, or Earth is now our only shareholder, I think is how they put it. But effectively, that you know, everything they do is going to be about trying to make the world more sustainable, and mm. any profits they make are going into, into fighting the climate crisis. So it's that kind of model of, of making the, the planet at the centre of their mm. business model, rather yeah. than just something to kind of bear in mind as they, as they trade. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that is quite positive as well, you know, if they're... I mean, the profit that they are making, if they're giving that back to, you know, helping the mm. climate as well, that's, that's, that's very positive. Um, so, I mean, that's uh, what you've done. What are sort of your goals, your aims, objectives of the organisation for, you know, for this year and future projects uh, as well that you may have uh, lined up? 
So I, I guess that's the UK's job, Social Enterprise UK's job, is to, to support social, these social enterprises in the UK and across the world to make a bigger a better difference to people's lives and to the planet. Um, so actually, we've been working around the world for 10 plus years now in, in many different countries, 25, 30 plus countries around the world, as you know, as diverse as, say, Jamaica, South Africa, Kyrgyzstan, uh, Pakistan, Sudan, and Indonesia, um, many different countries where we've been working with local teams on things like research, on uh, helping advise government policy, generating the evidence on who these social enterprises are and what they're doing and how they can uh, thrive. So we're really proud that this kind of research that we've developed is really positive in all these countries. So it's not just a UK thing. It's not just a thing that happens in Jamaica or so in all these countries, social enterprises are thriving and growing and making a difference to people's lives. So I really, a lot of our work in that respect is to try and help people fall in love with and uh, to understand first of all, and then fall in love with social enterprise, because sometimes for people it is a baffling thing of these are businesses, but they're, they are about making money, but not about, and giving that money to show they're about using that money and using the business model for, for good. Hmm. It's a bit confusing sometimes to people, but once they get it, they and they realize, oh, I know one, I've got one in my community like that, IT recycling workshop or etc. They get it, hmm. then they can fall in love with it. And I think our job is to help people fall in love with it, to raise awareness, to raise understanding, to help build that movement around the world of, of showing people that business can, you know, save save the world in the context of the climate crisis and help reduce inequality and make people's lives you know more prosperous more sustainable um, and more you know enjoyable yeah. uh, to, you know to to improve the, the lives of people around us lovely lovely um what can our audience our listeners do to actually to actually promote sustainability and also you know fairness uh, in this way as well if they want to get in touch with uh, with you know with your organization as well social enterprises what can they sort of do to actually to help and contribute? So, yeah, please, absolutely, anyone should have a look at the Social Enterprise UK's website. And in fact, we have a directory of social enterprises where mm. you can see who these are. And are there any near me? And you put your postcode and you can see, oh, yeah, OK, mm. those guys, yeah, I could go and um, buy, buy their wares, etc., etc. I think that's the kind of message that we want to promote, really, is this idea of buy social. So... Social enterprises have different customers. Some sell to big businesses. They're in big corporate supply chains. Some deliver public services and get paid by government for doing that. But many social enterprises, they sell products to me and you, they, they, to individual consumers, and we can buy their, their stuff on the high street or in supermarkets or online. So it might be coffee, it might be chocolate, it might be fair trade, the kind of gifts that we might give to people, where we buy our clothes, when we're looking at a holiday, which hotel we stay in, or uh, where we buy our food. Some of those choices can be social enterprise choices. So we can buy from uh, the suppliers who have sort of more sustainable ethical business models. So maybe they're more likely to pay taxes, to pay fair wages, they look after the planet, they recycle the profits and emissions. So, yeah, I'd say to any listener, to anyone indeed in the UK around the world, where you buy your cup of coffee from or where you uh, buy a bar of chocolate from or where you buy your next present for someone's birthday, can you think about whether you could buy that from a social enterprise? Um, because if we all did that, then we end up with business which is trading more fairly, uh, more sustainably, um, and hopefully bringing a bit of joy to the people we're giving those presents to or enjoying the coffee or chocolate. So, yeah, I think buy social is, our, is is one of our main kind of messages that we try and get across. That's good. That's, you know, that's really good. I think that's quite a positive thing, which uh, I think a lot of people would actually be looking into and, uh, you know, contributing and being a part of, uh, being a part of that as well. Dan, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you once again.
thank you. That was uh, that was Dan Gregory, who is uh, director of international and sustainable development at Social Enterprise UK. Uh, they sort of is a business, but also they're looking at uh, you know the profits that they get. As Dan said, that they are looking to invest that money, use that money um, for environmental uh, environmental purposes as well, making sure that you know there is fair trade uh, going on uh, as well. It's not just something which. Um, you know, we, we, it's not just a business, so it's not just there to actually fill their pockets, but also to actually give back to society uh, as well. There have been a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, uh, things in regards to in regards to climate change. Let's listen to an audio clip, which uh, His Holiness actually speaks about uh, this as well. My question is: Many people are worried about climate change recently. What is Islam's take on climate change? And is there any advice for people at home? You see, Allah Ta'ala says that excess of everything is bad, right? Although, you see, whatever the climate change is because of the industrial revolution, too much uh, smoke is being sent on in the air, air is being polluted. This is why it is one of the causes of the climate changes. Secondly, the, the the trees are being cut and uh, no new forestation is being done in the especially in the third world countries right although the population is increasing but if we have proper plans we can make we can accommodate the population in such a way that uh, within the limited area of the land we can accommodate as many people as possible right and infrastructure should be provided according to that. Okay, so if we are not following the any the what law of nature requires from us, then the ultimate result will be that we are going to ruin our future. We are going to doom ourselves or our generation. The conditions of initiation, bad, in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadian, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. The initiate shall solemnly promise, one, that he or she shall abstain from shirk, association of any partner with God, right up to the day of his or her death. Two, that he or she shall keep away from falsehood, fornication, adultery, trespasses of the eye, debauchery, dissipation, cruelty, dishonesty, mischief and rebellion and will not permit himself or herself to be carried away by passions however strong they might be. 3. That he or she shall regularly offer the five daily prayers in accordance with the commandments of God and the Holy Prophet and shall try his or her best to be regular in offering the tahajjud and invoking the rood on the Holy Prophet that he or she shall make it his or her daily routine to ask forgiveness for their sins, to remember the bounties of God and to praise and glorify Him. 4. That under the impulse of any passions, he or she shall cause no harm whatsoever to the creatures of Allah in general and Muslims in particular, neither by his or her tongue, nor by his or her hands, nor by any other means. 
5. That he or she shall remain faithful to God in all circumstances of life, in sorrow and happiness, adversity and prosperity, in felicity and trial, and shall in all conditions remain resigned to the decree of Allah and keep himself or herself ready to face all kinds of indignities and sufferings in his way and shall never turn away from it at the onslaught of any misfortune. On the contrary, he or she shall march forward. 6. That he or she shall refrain from following un-Islamic customs and lustful inclinations and shall completely submit himself or herself to the authority of the Holy Quran and shall make the word of God and the sayings of the Holy Prophet the guiding principle in every walk of his or her life. 7. That he or she shall entirely give up pride and vanity and shall pass all his or her life in humbleness, cheerfulness, forbearance and meekness. 8. That he or she shall hold faith, the honor of faith, and the cause of Islam dearer to him or her than his or her life, wealth, honor, children and all other dear ones. 9. That he or she shall keep himself or herself occupied in the service of God's creatures for his sake only and shall endeavor to benefit mankind to the best of his or her God-given abilities and powers. 10. That he or she shall enter into a bond of brotherhood with this humble servant of God, pledging obedience to me in everything good for the sake of Allah, and remain faithful to it till the day of his or her death. That he or she shall exert such a high devotion in the observance of this bond as is not to be found in any other worldly relationship and connections demanding devoted dutifulness. I speak the truth that this is the age in which Muslims, according to their belief, and Christians, according to their ideology, were waiting for someone to come. This is the promised time. He who had to come has come, whether anyone accepts him or not. God Almighty always manifests mighty signs in support of those whom he sends to the world. He inclines the hearts so that they should accept him. Whatever had been divinely determined in respect of the promised Messiah has come to pass. Whether anyone believes or not, the promised Messiah has arrived, and I am he. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, the promised Messiah and Mahdi, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Um, very, you know, there's so many th- things. It's very, very interesting, uh, the things which actually came into place uh, last year as well. Uh, in addition to all the things which have been mentioned before, the Ethiopian civil war was also ended, which is, you know, the, the you know this cautious uh, optimism that the civil war in Ethiopia could finally be over after the, after the, Warring sides agreed to end hostilities in November permanently. So the two-year conflict between the government 
um, and you know, you know, has also displaced millions and caused misery for for many many people as well. Representatives of both sides signed up for a disarmament plan and agreed to restore crucial services, including aid supplies as well. So all these things, I mean, this is very very positive as well. Uh, something else, uh, you know, very, just, you know, just zooming past the different things. Of course, there were many different things which actually happened as well. There was progress in uh, in tackling ca- in tackling cancer as well. So new fronts in the fight against cancer opened up uh, last year as well, with scientists developing better tools for detecting and also treating the treating the disease as well. Tests were developed that appear to diagnose uh, cervical cancer, prostate cancer, and other forms of the disease using blood and urine samples, and also other um, non-invasive checks as well. Research is ongoing, of course, but it is also, you know, looking quite quite promising as well. Um, And this is also the teachings of Islam as well, that we actually think about uh, new new things, use these new technologies for the betterment of of mankind. Um, Another thing which actually came into place was that there was progress on female representation as well. While the U.S. Supreme Court withdrew its support for women's uh, reproductive rights, Sierra Leone and Malta were among those that went, uh, went the other way. Scotland became the first country to guarantee the right to a free period. Um, England launch, launched its women's health strategy to close the gender health gap as well. So there were very, very much uh, positive things, different things which actually came into place as well. And of course, there are other things which I can uh, talk about as well, but uh, as the news is looming, uh, we must uh, conclude uh, the show as well. Thank you for all of our guests who took time out and spoke to us today as well. Today's show was produced by Nafisa Amini. Uh, thank you to her and her team of researchers uh, as well, Nawera Khan, uh, Marachula Ahmed, Mehrish Dogger, Safia Nasser as well. Of course, the technical side, Akib Ahmed in the technical studio. Uh, until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.